Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Everyone said, Amen. So I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. And as always, you can access my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. So you can go to the Morse tab and look under events and find Faith Christian Center. Today's message go viral. You can save them to your device and follow along with me now or look at them at a later date. Also, later on this week, you can listen to this podcast. We put all of our messages on our podcast and on the website for free so that you can listen and grow in your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? So 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 30, as we start this new series today. And it says, and Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrite, and Heman, and Shachol, and Darda, and the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. Before we go forward, go to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. When the queen of Sheba heard of the constant connection of the fame of Solomon with the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions, problems, and riddles. The New Living Translation of that verse says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So why this opening passage? In ancient times, Solomon went viral without social media. Every time someone brought up King Solomon, they brought up God and what he had done. To talk about Solomon's fame was to talk about God's fame because he was the one who made Solomon famous. Solomon going viral brought honor and glory and praise to God. So what God did in Solomon's life did not just stay in Israel. It spread throughout Europe and Africa and in Asia. So, so much that kings would send their ambassadors to be in Solomon's court to learn from him. At any time, anyone, anyone would talk about Solomon at this time, they couldn't have a conversation with Sol- about Solomon without talking about God, Solomon's God. So every time they said Solomon, they talked about Jehovah. There was never a conversation that went by, oh, King Solomon is great. Yeah, he's great because God did it. So every time Solomon was brought up, God was brought up. And people gave praise and glory and honor to God all around the world because Solomon went viral. In the same way, if you go viral, you will bring honor and glory and praise to God. That when people talk about you, they say, oh yeah, Jesus did it. Every time they say your name, they go, Jesus. 
Every time they see you, they say, oh, they're blessed of the Lord. Why? So every time you go viral, and we'll talk about what that means in a moment, people give God glory, honor, and praise. So to go viral in the sense doesn't happen overnight. Now, to go viral on social media, someone can post a cute video or a controversial video, and by the time you wake up in the morning, you have 100 million views. But to go viral in this sense doesn't happen overnight. There is a process that happens before it. So let's examine part of this process that went in Solomon's life before he went viral. Go to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. How did Solomon go viral? First Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore. Show yourself a man. Be a man. Show people what you're made of. And, the keep, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn yourself. That the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If your children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. There shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So what is David doing? As he's about to die, he's giving Solomon his last words. And David is quoting what God told Joshua after the death of Moses. In summary, he told Solomon, stick with the book. Say, stick with the book. So David is telling Solomon, as long as you stick with the book, you'll prosper. As long as you stick with the book, doesn't matter what comes your way, it's going to work out for your good. As long as you stick with the book, it's going to go well for you. So this is what he's telling him. And he says, if you stick with the book, what God promised me is going to come to pass for you and for your children. God promised David, he says, as long as your sons follow me, they will always have a descendant on the throne of Israel. So as long as Solomon was faithful to the word of God, God was able to do in his life what he promised David. So number one, to go viral, you must stick with the book. In order to go viral, you must stick with the book means you must read it. You can't say, oh, I'm sticking with the book and you never open it besides on Sundays. Study it, say it, live it, and honor it. You must read it, study it, say it, live it, and honor it. You show honor to the Word of God by choosing to follow it over other philosophies, opinions, and whatever else may be popular. There's a lot of good things in the world. But if it contradicts the Word of God, he's like, no, I follow the Word. Because it may be good, but it may not be God. You can follow things that look good on the outside, and you keep following, and you realize it's gilded. You know what that means? It's gold on the outside, but a mess on the inside. So you always judge everything by the Word of God. You honor the Word of God by making it weightier, meaning this word is more important to me than any other philosophy. So you must stick with the book. Say, stick with the book. book. Now let's look at the second point. Go to verse 5. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zerah, did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew and shed the blood of war in peace. 
and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins and his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to your wisdom, and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. Woo. Verse 8. And behold, you have with you Shimei the son of Gera, a Benjamite of Behram, which cursed me with a grievous curse in the day when I went to Manahan. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with a sword. Now therefore hold him not guiltless, for you are a wise man. You know what it ought to do unto him, but his forehead bring that down to the grave with blood. Now, when I see David and Solomon having this conversation, it reminds me of the Godfather part one. As Michael is about to become the Godfather, his father begins to tell him, watch out for so-and-so. Watch out for so-and-so. The person who says this, they're going to be the ones to betray you. The person who does this, this is what they're going to do. This is how you handle this situation. So David is having a godfather moment with Solomon because he understands what happens at transitions. When a government transitions, that's the time where you can potentially overthrow it. That's why Killmonger attacked Black Panther after his father died. Same philosophy. But you say, yeah, pastor just gave me permission today to go off on the people that did me wrong in my past. Yes, I can go take them out. No, that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> so you have to study out these characters. Joab and Shimmy. Who is Joab? He was vengeful. Would get revenge. Kill people to get revenge and kill people because they took a position he wanted. Who was Shimmy? He was fickle. So when David and his people were running for their lives, when Absalom took the throne, he decides to do something very random. He comes, he sees David and his people running, and he starts throwing rocks at them and cussing them out. David, you're getting what you deserve. It's about time someone did this to you. Mocking him and cussing them out and throwing rocks at him. But when Absalom died and David was king again, Shimmy runs down to the Jordan and says, oh, I was stupid. I made a mistake. You're the king forever. I, I, I missed it. Fickle. If you're going to transition to overflow on the place God has for you, you have to deal with being vengeful and being fickle. God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. He didn't call you to repay. But the thing is, if you always try to do things your way, you're not going to be able to do what God's called you to do. You can't be fickle where you're going. You must be faithful. You can't be on fire for God one day, cold the next, and medium the next day. You have to be faithful. In order to go higher in the things of God, you have to handle your issues. Because if you don't handle your issues and bring it with you, your issues aren't going to get smaller as you go up. They're going to just get bigger. People say, oh, yeah, new level, new devil. Yeah, but you still got you to deal with. Oh, the enemy's been messing with me, or is it the inner me? There's a lot of things people blame on Satan, and he never did it. It was you. It was your decisions. You reaped a harvest for a seed that you sowed. Which means you have to deal with yourself if you really want to get to the place God has called you to go. I like something that Oral Roberts said. He says, whatever you bow down to on the way up the mountain will rule you once you get to the top. Whatever you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. You're going after your career. You're going after this dream. And if you compromise and bow down to something on the way to the top, when you get there, it's not so, oh, I'll deal with it when I get there. No. Now these things are giants in your life that rule you. 
If you're going to go viral, you must handle your issues. Look at your neighbors and handle your issues. Look at your other neighbors and handle your entire subscription. You got to get it under control. You can't run from yourself. Because did you know anywhere you run, yourself is still there? When there's things about your nature that needs to change, you need to be like Moses when he was at the burning bush. When the rod turned to a snake, God said, handle it. Stop running from yourself. Deal with your issues. Deal with your problems. Deal with your past. Because where you're going, you can't take your past with you. Here's some relationship advice. You can't take your exes with you either. Some people have problems in their current relationship or their marriage because they're projecting their ex on the current person. Well, all the people I date is crazy. Well, one, you might be looking for the wrong person or you may be crazy. Because if everybody's crazy except you, something is wrong with that picture. So maybe something has to change on the inside of you before you get dating again. Because if everybody you keep dating keeps turning out the same way, maybe you need to pause and be with Jesus a little while longer. Well, pastor, I'll be lonely. It's better to be lonely than to be with crazy. You have to know your value and your worth that you don't settle for crazy just because you feel lonely. Handle your issues. Well, I'm just looking for my other half. So two half-broken people can get together and have a half-broken marriage? No, no, no. Deal with yourself so you have something to bring to the table besides baggage. You got two people trying to bring baggage to the table. No, how about some assets? How about something good? Not drama. So that means you have to deal with yourself if you ever expect to go to the next level. That you have to take a hard look at yourself. What do I need to prove? What do I need to get in control? And do it. Look at yourself the way you look at other people. See, you judge other people by their actions, but you judge yourself by your intent. Well, that's not really what I mean. They should know that's not what I meant. Look at yourself with a different set of eyes. What do you need to fix? What do you need to handle? What do you need to get a grip on? What has God been dealing with you about? Deal with it. Handle it. Don't handle it feeling guilty that you have to handle it. Just handle it because you know you need to handle it. If you're a believer, you don't have a right to feel guilty. Why? The blood has been applied. You're the righteous God in Christ Jesus. If you were to stand before a judge and they brought up all the sins of your life, how do you plead? The blood. You don't plead guilty. You're not guilty. If you're saved, you're not guilty. Now, if you're unsaved, you are guilty. And what I would tell you to do today, get saved. If you're a believer, you're not guilty. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. That is an oxymoron. You're either an old sinner or you're saved by grace. You got to pick one. And so in order to go to the next level, you have to handle your issues and deal with your past. You must leave your past behind, even if your past was yesterday. Well, pastor, you don't know what I did yesterday. It does not matter. Did you repent? Did you turn? Yesterday does not matter. Your past does not determine your future. The blood has been applied. Now, in a few weeks, me and my wife welcome our newest daughter. Now, do you know what would be really weird? If after the baby comes out, the doctor says, oh, that baby's so beautiful. She's so wonderful. 
but what about her past? We were like, doctor, you is crazy. We need you out of this room at this instant. Why? It's a new baby, newborn baby. It doesn't have a past. You've been born again. You don't have a past either. You've been washed in the blood of the lamb. The past does not matter. Well, the enemy keeps bringing it up. Remind him about his future. You don't have a past. It's dealt with. It's under the blood. You are not the person of your past. Who are you? You are in Christ Jesus. Go over scriptures about the righteousness of God. Go over scriptures about you being in Christ to such a point that you have a righteous mentality, that you don't see yourself by your faults. You see yourself in Christ. That will enable you to handle the issues that are in your life. Because if you always think I'm an old sinner trying to handle these issues, you'll never handle those issues because you've labored yourself a sinner. Call yourself what God calls you, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you see something, you're like, ah, oh, that ain't righteousness, so I need to handle it. It's a different perspective. If you're going to go viral, you have to handle your issues and get over your past. Don't let your past limit you. Don't let your past contain you. The blood of Jesus is enough and so is the Holy Ghost. And so I remember one time I was sitting outside, it's me and my daughter enjoying, it was a beautiful weather. I think it was like a fall day in Atlanta, it's just beautiful. It's not too hot, not too cold, I was just enjoying, minding my own business. And I saw two people approaching me, and I could see the look in their eyes. And I said, they're either enthusiastic Bible students or cult members. So they approached me and say, well, sir, have you heard of so-and-so? Like, cult members. <laughs> and so they try to take me to verses in the Bible. And I said, that's not what it means. I said, you're taking that out of context. If you take it out of context, you take the, you're left with the con. And they just kept telling me that I needed something additional so I could go to heaven. I said, so you're saying I need something additional to the blood of Jesus? Are you telling me the blood wasn't enough? They tried all day long. They could not, they got frustrated with me and left. Why? Because I'm not going to stand for anything that tells me the blood of my Savior was not enough. That the pure, precious blood that flowed from that cross is enough to handle me on my worst day, to handle my worst thought, to handle my worst sin, and anything I could possibly do. The blood of Jesus is enough. Paul called it righteousness by faith, not righteousness by works. You can't work to get this righteousness. All you can do is believe and receive because Jesus did the work. You must have faith in the atonement of Jesus if you expect to live the life God has called you to live. Because if you have faith in your flesh, you will fail and be frustrated and become a mean Christian. Always looking down on people. And he called it holiness, but it's not. Holiness is following the word of God, which is also walking in love. So if you're judging people not walking in love, you ain't holy. So you mean because you're always obsessed with all the things you're doing, so you're looking down on people. I don't know why you sin that way, because you sin a different way. It's like the parable Jesus told. The man who was forgiven of $20 million. He went to the king. He says, give me, 20, give me some time and I'll repay you all. And the king says, was moved with compassion, a phrase mentioned about Jesus. And he canceled or forgave his debt. The man was thankful, but what the first thing that man did? He ran and found someone who owed him 20 bucks. Grabbed him by the neck and shook him and told, pay me. And the man said, give me some time and I'll pay you back. And the man refused to give him time or forgive him and threw him in jail, debtor's prison. And the servants came and told the king what the man did. And the king was angry. And we know how that parable goes. 
But I submit to you that the guy didn't go after the guy with $20 because he was a mean man. I believe he was a man that didn't believe he was forgiven. Because why was the first thing you try to do after your debt is forgiven, go try to get money? Because you really think in your head you got to pay the king back, even though you're forgiven. There's so many Christians who have the concept of being forgiven, but they don't believe it. So they live a certain way thinking they got to pay God back. Newsflash, you can't pay him back. And number two, salvation is a gift. You're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. That's what Ephesians 2.8 tells us. You can't work for a gift. You cannot earn a gift. If you can earn it or work for it, it is a wage. So once you're born again, you do not owe God anything. People try to be really religious. It sounds like, oh, I owe God my life because he sent Jesus. No, it's a gift. You don't owe him anything. But because you're grateful, because you love him, you say, God, my whole life is yours. Do with it what you please. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for Jesus. Take my life and do something with it. So now it's not like I'm paying a debt. I'm living because I love him different mentality. If you live based on I love him instead of I'm trying to pay him back, you show mercy to others. Because now you're acting just like you're Jesus. So get the righteous mentality. Get the forgiven mentality. Handle your issues. Deal with your past and go forward. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. God needs you to go viral. First Kings chapter 3. Verse 3, and Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that, he will, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. So number three, we learn about Solomon. He was a generous giver. One person would go offer one sacrifice. He went one time and offered a thousand. This is at the beginning of his administration, just because he loved God. That's why he gave. He says he loved the Lord, so he gave. That's why we should give. We love God, so we give. God loved us, so he gave, so we love him, so we give. But this gift brought out a certain response from God. Because you get in verse 5, it says, In giving, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. And he appeared to him and said, Ask what you want. Whatever you ask, I'm going to give it to you. What opened the door for such a manifestation of God's presence? Solomon's giving. See, your giving can position you for your future. And your giving can set you up for the miraculous. So Solomon gave, God appears to him, and says, what do you want? Whatever you ask for, I'm going to give it to you. And Solomon says, I'm young. You've made me king over huge people, your people. Give me a wise and understanding heart. I ask for wisdom. Now, why would he ask for wisdom? Because his father taught him, get wisdom. All you're getting, get understanding. You read the book of Proverbs. Some of the things Proverbs that Solomon wrote down is things that his father taught him. So he knew, get wisdom from God. And God said, I like your request so much, I'm going to give you wisdom because you asked for it. But because you asked for wisdom so that you can be just, I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you long life. I'm going to defeat your enemies for you. I'm going to do all these things for you because you asked for wisdom. So Solomon began to go viral because he knew to ask for wisdom. So number four is get wisdom. 
Proverbs chapter 8 personifies wisdom, and it says, Wisdom is crying out in the streets. How long will you stay stupid? That's the Carrick Butler translation. So the thing is, you have to realize you're stupid in some area, right? You're ignorant in some area. But the blessing of God, you don't got to stay stupid. You know, have you ever met someone who's just stuck on stupid? That doesn't have to be you. You can get wisdom from God. James 1 tells us if you ask God for wisdom and faith, he'll give it to you. God's not trying to hide wisdom from you. It's wisdom available for you. So you have to go to God to get wisdom. One of the things I encourage you to do is pray the Ephesians 1 prayer. You find see in Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. And every time you see the word you or ye, put in your name. Put in your family's names. Put in my name, please. Put in the church's name. Pray the Ephesians 1 prayer. It's a spirit-inspired prayer that has powerful results. It's praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, but you also see the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You should pray that prayer every single day. Why? God wants to give you wisdom. You need wisdom. So go to the source of wisdom. And he'll lead you throughout your day. So number three, be a generous giver. Number four, get wisdom. For it is the principal thing, as Proverbs tells us. Go to 1 Kings chapter 5. So number one, stick with the book. Number two, handle your issues and deal with your past. Number three, be a generous giver. Number four, get wisdom. First Kings chapter 5, verse 1. It talks about Hiram, king of Tyre. He was great friends with David. So when he heard Solomon was made king, he sent him a letter congratulating him. And Solomon replied in the letter saying, You know that David, my father, could not have built a house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord has given me rest on every side, so there's neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set upon your throne in your room, he shall build a house unto my name. Now David had in his heart, he wanted to build a temple to God. He planned it. He says, this is what I'm going to do. He talked to the man of God and the prophet says, and that sounds good. Whatever you do, God is behind, so I'll go ahead and do it. And then God appeared to that prophet by night, go back to tell David, no, I don't want him to build the temple. It's his son who's supposed to do it, but I'm going to bless David anyways. So David heeded the instructions of the Spirit of God and said, well, I might not be able to build it, but I can pay for it. So he gave to this project billions of dollars. Now, it wasn't just David who gave to the project. Because when David was in the cave of Adullam, I believe, there was 400 men who came to him and said those men were in debt, they were distressed, no one liked them, they were depressed, no one would be around them, so they came to David and David became a captain over them. They became his army. And after they became his army, they became men of renown, they became men of warrior, high warrior status. They became giant killers, they became famous. But they also became very rich. Because it says that they gave hundreds of millions of dollars. So by the time Solomon stepped in to build, the temple was already paid for. So Solomon knew to be a generous giver because he saw what his father did. See, you want to pass down an inheritance to your children's children, but you also want to pass down an inheritance of faith. See, so many people talk about generational curses. Oh, when you turn 40, you're going to have heart problems. Everybody in your family had heart problems at 40. 
How about you pass down a generational blessing? It's like, you know, when you turn 35, you can get hit with a million dollars. You need to have wisdom to know how to handle it. You can pass down faith. What did Paul tell Timothy? He says, the faith is in you, it was in your mama and your grandmother before you. You want to pass down a spiritual heritage as well as natural and financial things as well. So when Solomon goes to build the temple, he doesn't just go, ooh, this looks pretty, so I'm going to do that. You see in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 12, that David had a pattern for the temple from the Spirit. Everything in the temple, everything how it ran, David received the pattern of those things from the Spirit of God. It's very similar to when you read the book of Exodus, how Moses received the pattern for the tabernacle in the wilderness while he was on the mount. Now, in our Sunday school mindsets, we think Moses is sitting on a mountain and God's just talking to him. But when we read the book of Hebrews, it says that Moses saw into heaven. And in heaven, he saw the pattern of the tabernacle, and he brought what was in heaven and built it on earth. It's the same thing what David is doing. He gets the pattern from the Spirit, and he passes that pattern on to Solomon, and Solomon builds the pattern that the Holy Ghost gave David. So number five is follow the pattern of the Spirit. Follow the pattern of the Spirit. We said stick with the book is number one, because in the Word of God, you find general instructions for your life. But there are certain things the Bible won't tell you. The Bible does not tell you what college to go to. The Bible doesn't tell you, don't go down that street. The Bible doesn't tell you, buy that house. The Bible doesn't tell you where to invest. That's the job of the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you, the greater one who knows all things. He's in you. He has a plan for your life, but you must get the pattern of your life from him. Now, there are some things he'll just tell your heart and talk with you. There's some things he'll tell you through me as I preach the word of God and as I'm led to say different things. But there are also some things he has put answers that you need in other people. And the only way you get those answers is by having faith friends and relationship with people who believe like you believe. Some people are praying for answers, but they never come to church, so they don't get it. Or when they come to church, they sneak in and hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh, I felt something and sneak on out. And so, well, you got blessed. But there was something in a relationship you could have received if you actually stopped being an island and connected with people. And realize there's something in you that someone else needs. That can only come out through the context of faith friends and faith family. And so as you research, as you talk with people, as you pray, as you read, as you study, as you look to build your life, get the pattern from the Spirit. Now, one of the things a wisdom would do is you may see something else someone else is doing and it looks great. And it may be exactly what you're supposed to do, or you're supposed to tweak it. But make sure what you do is what the Holy Ghost told you to do, and not what the Holy Ghost told someone else to do. Don't follow their revelation for their life. Follow what God told you to do. Get God's plan for your life and follow that to the letter. Don't deviate. Follow the pattern the Holy Ghost has given you. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10 and begin to wrap this up. So one, stick with the book. Number two, deal with your issues and handle your past. Number three, be a generous giver. Number four, get wisdom. Number five, follow the pattern of the Spirit. First Kings chapter 10, verse 4. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, she looks at everything that's going on in the temple and his palace, and she's overcome, and she basically faints. 
And she says to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land of your acts and of your wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen, and behold, the half was not told me. He says, you went viral. I heard about you in my own country, but what I heard was not even half as good as what I see. Your wisdom and your prosperity is more than I was even told. Happy are the people that are with you. Happy are the people that work for you, that continually stand before you to hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, which delights in you. To set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he's made you king to do judgment and justice. Notice this woman from a heathen kingdom and country begins to praise God. And then she gives to Solomon huge stuff. But what made this woman become a believer? Her encounter in Jerusalem with Solomon and his wisdom. Because Solomon went viral. The queen of Sheba became a believer in the one true God. And she went back to her nation, and the whole nation began to follow God. So when you go back, now it's not just Israel now following God. There's another nation following God because one queen had an encounter with a man of God who went viral. But that's now where it stopped. goes to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. God needs you to go viral. As we said in the beginning of this message, he wants you to the place that every time someone says their name, they talk about what God has done for you. That it's so prevalent when people say your name, they say what God has done for you. So this whole nation begins to follow the one true God, and they follow him for hundreds of years. So what is actually played is hundreds of years later, probably close to 750 years later, the nation is still different because Solomon went viral. And so when you get to verse 27, and he said, And Philip arose and went, and behold, there was a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, that's Sheba, who had the charge of all her treasures. So this is the treasurer of, of the Ethiopians. And had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So the, tre- the queen sent the treasurer to worship in Jerusalem and to bring a gift to the temple. And so on his way back, he's reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip goes up near the chariot and hears him reading, and the Holy Ghost says, go and join yourself to this chariot. See, the Holy Ghost will tell you to talk to people, even if you're an introvert. Well, why would the Holy Ghost tell me to talk to people? Because you got something to say that they need. Now, you don't have to go be deep and super spiritual. The Lord told me to talk to you today. No. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? And then you say whatever the Holy Ghost tells you to say. Don't add on to it, please. Because what happens is some people get so excited to be used by God, they start adding a whole bunch to it because, oh, man, God's using me right now. And they add a whole bunch to it. No, just say what he tells you to say. Do what he tells you to do. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just share. Now, there's times that's going be it. They may look at you strange. Well, that's okay. You sowed a seed or you watered. Other times, people just open up and tell you their whole life story. Details you never wanted to know. And other times, I'll talk to people. They don't know what I do. They just start talking to me and talking, tell me everything. Stuff I never asked for. Like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Breathe. But then what do I say? Whatever God tells me to say. You just minister to them. Let the Holy Ghost talk through you. Be a blessing to people. Smile. 
Look for opportunities to bring people to Jesus. So a lot of times, if you've been saved for a while, you may not have a lot of friends that aren't saved. You've already won your group, and you're around a lot of Christian people. So, well, how can I win other people to Jesus? Look for opportunities throughout your day. You can hear, you can be at a store, and you hear someone say, you know, I'm new to the area. Oh, you're new to the area? Well, welcome to the area. You know, I know since you're new to the area, you may not have a good church to go to. Why don't you come and join me on Sunday? So I don't know if they're saved or not. It does not matter. You just invite them to church. Or you hear someone say, well, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready for the new baby. I wasn't ready for the job. I wasn't ready for this. Oh, you weren't ready for it? Man, do you know what? Do you know what helps me? The church I go to. Why don't you come with me this Sunday? You haven't asked the person if they say, sanctify, fill with the Holy Ghost, what they believe. Now it doesn't matter what they believe. You've now opened a door for them to hear the gospel. You're listening with opportunities. And so what you can do, you can carry around some extra church advertisement cards or bulletins with you. Say, hey, come see my church. Or go look us up right here on Facebook. Here we are right here. Here's our podcast. You know, there's some people who listen to the podcast for weeks before they ever show up. I've met people who say, oh, yeah, we've listened to the podcast for months. And then they finally come on one Sunday. They can quote me better than I can quote me. <laughs> Opportunities to bring people closer to Jesus. So you follow the leading of the Spirit. So Philip goes up and talks to the man. He says he's reading from the Isaiah, talk about the suffering servant, Isaiah 53 and other things. And he says, sir, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I understand what someone teaches me? And so he says, Philip, come up here and talk to me. So Philip begins to talk to him and starts with that scripture and begins to preach Jesus to him. It gets to a certain point as they keep driving along. He says, there's some water. Can I get baptized? And he says, if you believe in your, with your whole heart, and the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So Philip gets out the chariot with them. They go and get baptized. They come out of the water. The Holy Ghost translates Philip to another city. And the eunuch goes back to Ethiopia rejoicing that his faith is in Jesus. But see, he didn't stop there. Because now Ethiopia in the first century becomes a Christian nation because the testimony of its treasurer. Solomon had laid the groundwork with him going viral. It's set up for Ethiopia to become a Christian nation. But I thought that Europeans brought Christianity to Africa. That's why you got to stop reading Facebook memes. <laughs> Christianity was in Africa because of Philip the Evangelist and this treasurer in the first century, somewhere between 8033 and 8045. Some of the oldest churches of the world in Ethiopia. Some of the oldest in the world. But how did that setup get there? One man went viral. Whose life can you change if you go viral? Who will know about Jesus if you go viral? Whose life will be transformed forever and they go tell somebody else and it changes their family or their city or their nation because you go viral? See, going viral is not just for you to enjoy the benefits that come with going viral. It's so that someone can know about your Jesus. That every time they talk about you, they talk about your Jesus. They can't bring up your name without saying the name of Jesus. They can't bring your story up with talking about how God did it for you, which means when something good happens, you don't take credit for it. Yep, I was smart. I worked really hard. My 30-second elevator pitch was on point. I just looked really good that day. I knew the exact colors to wear to that meeting. Oh, I prayed really hard. Got an intercessory prayer. I supplicated. I fasted. 
Man, Jesus did it. And if you follow him, he'll do the same for you. Your life has become a testimony. God needs you to go viral. God needs you to win people for Jesus because Jesus is coming back. And it's time for us to act like it. It's time to get over church squabbles and petty religious thinking and go win the world for Jesus. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.